like to give everybody out there listening a very warm White Cat welcome because you're tuned in to the White Cat Outdoors podcast. Hey everybody, episode 40, White Cat Outdoors podcast. This may be the last time I'm bringing you guys in. Frank currently is coming back from Alaska due to be in when you guys are listening to this in podcast world tomorrow. And so hopefully we'll have him back on for episode 41, giving a rundown of his Alaska trip. But tonight you got me, Tom, bringing you in, sitting right next to my brother, Nick. Hey, how's it going, everybody? And we are one week away in Pennsylvania from opening day of deer season. Yeah, New York in Ohio is less than a week. Yeah, so... so I'm I'm pretty stoked. I've been uh, dreaming about it. R- really, I I did have a dream about deer hunting last night. It was, it was pretty wild. That's all. Uh, right now, I'm doing pretty much nothing at work. Just doing a lot of drilling, mindless work, and I am off in La La Land, just thinking about bucks. It's all it's going through the head. Yeah, but for you new hunters out there, hunting's great, but there's work to be done if you're successful and you do kill a deer. And that's what we're talking about tonight. That's right, Tom. That's what we're talking about. We're going to talk about what you do after uh, you let that arrow fly or... I th- let's, let's start it right when you let the arrow fly. That's a good, good thing. We weren't going to do that, but um, this is... So, I mean, this can be applied for rifle as well, but yeah. From the time you uh, release your projectile if you will. What do you do? Because there's a lot of new guys out there hunting, maybe jumping in the woods for the first time, or maybe they're a few seasons in, but they've never connected. So uh, that's a good good idea, Tom. Why don't we start yeah, it just there? It just came right to me. I was like, we're talking about, you know, what to do after, you know, you shoot your deer, but there's a lot of work to be done in between shooting the deer and finding the deer. So step one, okay, you release your projectile, and your deer takes off, and you're like, what, what the heck just happened? Your mind's going crazy. You're adrenaline shaking dump. with adrenaline. Yeah, yeah it's, it's an insane feeling, and that's, that's why we get out there. That's why we get outside. That is why we get outside. But me, personally, especially, especially with an arrow, okay? Let's well, just, for uh, the sake of conversation stuff, let's just focus on archery, because that's what we're getting into here. Yeah. So first thing I do is try and gather my thoughts, watch exactly where that deer ran, listen for a crash, see if you can see him fall or anything like that. If he gets out of your sight and you don't see him go down, the best thing to do is wait at least 15-20 minutes before even climbing out of your stand. I can agree on that. Before you even get down, sit there at least 20 minutes. So... Let the woods calm down. You calm down because your adrenaline's going crazy. You're not thinking rationally. You're just super stoked that you just let one fly. Well, I would, for me, um, take that 20 minutes and soak in that feeling. Um, you know, don't rush through any of this because it's a, it's a magical time. It really is. So after you take that shot, um, like Tom said, pay close attention to where it goes. Pay attention to where your arrow hits. That's a big thing, too. Um, but watch where the animal goes. If you don't see it go down, you have to 
make a mark in your head exactly where you last saw that deer. Um, and then take the time, you know, text your hunting buddy that's going to help you on this next adventure. And Tom will bring you back in. Another good thing to look for, this is, I don't know how many of you hunters out there know this, but the tail is a very big it's indicator. A tell, it's a telltale sign. Telltale sign. So here's some things. Maybe that's you, where that came from. Very, very well could be. So another telltale Tell, tell, tell sign is watch for a mule kick. If you know you release your arrow and you see that deer mule kick, there's a 95% chance that your arrow stuck them somewhere. You know you can't always see where your arrow hit because they're moving it nowadays. New bows 320 feet per second or faster, so you're not really going to be able to watch it. But watch for that mule kick. Next thing you're going to watch for is the tail. If the tail is sticking straight up, a lot of the times that deer was not hit or not hit very hard. If the tail is straight down, then most of the time you made a solid hit on that deer. And if the tail is down and fluttering, then you know you smoked them. I do want to just throw out a disclaimer. If you see a deer run away, tail up, that does not 100% mean you missed. You still need to make your best efforts to see... Um, you know, recover your arrow and see if there's any sign of a hit. Yeah, I just absolutely. want to throw. I just want to yeah. throw that out there. Yes, most of the time, if it runs away with its tail up, um, you better start praying, crossing your fingers or something, because it's not typically the way it goes down. And any time you pull the trigger or touch off your release, regardless of whether you're 99% sure you missed, you still have to go down and look for blood, look for hair, look for your arrow, just so you can totally solidify okay yes i did miss because i've heard of people where they see a deer running and they just pull up and shoot and they're like oh yeah i didn't watch him drop i missed him well then you don't really know if you missed him because you never went and actually looked he could just still be running and then he dies 100 yards later and you have no idea so anytime you shoot it's a great idea to still go down and investigate after you wait your 15, 20 minutes. So take it from the top. You shoot, you watch for the mule kick, you watch the tail, you watch the last place where you saw that deer and you mark in your head by which tree you saw him disappear. You listen for a crash, all that good stuff, and now you wait. 15, 20 minutes goes by, climb down, go to where the deer was standing. Usually, you know, you'll see some roughed up leaves where he was standing and then took off running so you know look around there don't you want to be very cautious about it. you don't want to just go stomping all over the place because there could be a little bit of blood that you step on or kick leaves over and then you miss it so watch every step you take watch the ground make sure you're not stepping on any sign and if you can find your arrow if you got you know bright pink bubbly blood there's a real good chance that you double lunged him and he's not very far if you know you i've shot deer where you know you see the arrow go in it looks like a good shot and you can see blood literally squirting out of the exit hole or the entrance hole i've had that too that's a pretty good idea that it's a heart shot when it's just pumping blood out you can see it coming out their nose and mouth you know i watched him drop before he got out of sight on that one that's how you know you smoked him but if none of that happens 
and you find your arrow covered in pink bubbly blood, good chance you lunged them and shouldn't be too hard of a track job. If you find your arrow and it's got green goopy crap on it and literally little literal crap, then then it's a gut shot and it's a dead deer. I do. Uh, it is a dead deer, but back out for 24 hours. You'll you'll have people telling you, oh, you only need to give it eight hours, 12 hours. No, uh, 24 hours, because when a deer's gut shot, typically it's only going to go 100 yards in bed down. If you don't disturb that deer you're going to find it a hundred yards from where you shot it. If you kick that, if you wait eight hours and go back and kick him up a hundred yards from where you shot, he's going to get another surge of adrenaline and be gone. And you're going to have a hell of a time finding that deer. My dad, a couple years ago, actually this is more like probably 10 years ago, shot this really nice buck, big, heavy nine point, And he got shot it. And I think they waited eight hours. Well, they went. It was he shot it uh, in the morning. It was first light, basically. Yeah. And they waited till that evening, and kicked it up a hundred yards from where my dad had shot, and it took off. And they're like, "Shit! Well, now what do we do?" And that deer ran and ran and ran, probably four hundred yards. I don't think my dad would have found it if it wasn't for our buddy. Because me and Nick were actually at a football game playing while my dad was tracking this deer. And on our way home, my dad's buddy called and said, Hey, I just seen this really nice buck come out of the block where you were hunting. And he was acting super, super lethargic and just slow and he didn't look so good. And my dad's like, well, I hit a buck there and kicked him up and they figured out, you know, the times matched up and we're pretty certain that that's where or that's the buck my dad had hit so my dad went back the next morning with that buddy and he showed him this is exactly where i seen the deer come out and this is where i saw him go into the woods on the other side of the road so they went in there and he wasn't you know 200 yards off the side of the road but like you asked my dad had i never had my buddy call me and say hey i seen your buck cross the road my dad said i would never cross the road to track that deer like you just it's crazy how far they can go if you kick up that second adrenaline rush after they're bedded down. So if you find your arrow and it's covered in guts, 24 hours, the majority of the time you'll find that deer bedded down 100 yards from where you hit it. If you find your arrow and it's got like brown, brownish blood, I guess. Really a dark, rich, red, almost brown, yeah. Yeah, then that's probably a liver shot. That's also a dead deer. It's a dead deer, but you want to give it time. I mean, I. That's if, a, that's, if you shoot it in the evening, go back let it go morning. in the morning. Let it go till the morning. I mean, eight hours, you're you're safe on a liver shot. Um, just a little side story. Frank on the podcast, you know him, shot a buck, liver shot. We gave it four hours or probably less than that, probably three hours, and went back and looked for it, and, you know, we were shining down on the ground, following good blood, and then, you know, we'd shine up and look, and, well, we saw his buck bedded down with his head still up, so we immediately shut off the light and backed out. Went back the next day, deer was dead right where we saw it laying down. But the tricky thing with a liver shot 
is you'll have really, really good blood a lot of the time. This isn't every time, but a lot of times you'll have really, really good blood for about 100 yards. And then it's, it's like someone flipped the switch and it's off. Well, typically when that switch is flipped and it stops dumping, your deer is not far from there. But basically what that means is there's not much blood left in the system to bleed. Yeah. Um, that's so a hard concept to think about, but you know, typically once they stop bleeding, it is truly because there's not much blood in the system to be bleeding out and showing you. And like you said, they're, they're not far. Yeah. So don't, if you know, if you're pretty confident it was a liver shot and you lose blood, don't give up because your deer's probably, you know, within the next 75 to a hundred yards. So with that being said, you know, those are the, the mishaps that you don't want. Say you find your arrow, pink bubbly, lung shot, heard your deer crash. I'd still, I just like to make sure I give it an hour or two. Here's something I live by. Um, cause I, I'm pretty good with tracking and stuff. And the one thing I live by when it comes to tracking deer is if it's dead now, it's going to be dead later. Um, so what I mean by that is basically like if, if you shoot a buck and you watch it crash or you hear, hear it crash, it's dead. It's going to die. There's no need to go running over there right away and potentially booger something up. Um, you give it two hours and it is going to be more than dead. You're not going to have any problems. Like if you watch it crash, um, you still want to approach it with caution um, and just keep your head... You be, we like to do is you have somebody watching blood and there's always somebody with, um, a weapon of the season, uh, looking ahead basically. So you don't want to just stay looking at the ground and walk up on this deer. So have somebody looking ahead, making sure that once you get up to the deer, it is dead. If it's bedded down and it's like got its head up, you got to back out quietly. Yeah. So that's if things go right, but there's a couple tricks we can talk about. Um, if you know you hit your deer in a gut shot and you don't you know you you jump the gun you kick them up and now you have no idea where this buck's going to be um a grid search if you can get a group of buddies together is uh probably your best bet on any track job where you lose blood and you're kind of stuck you don't want to give up especially if you know the deer's dead um so get you know the more people the better and just space them out, you know, every 20 yards or so. You want to be in eyesight. So if you're in some thick stuff, you may have to break that down. You have to be within eyesight of everybody um, or the guys next to you just so you know you're not missing anything. Yeah, and then you basically just, you know, walk and just keep walking, cover as much ground as you possibly can. And, you know, when you get to where you can't walk anymore, you shift your grid over and make another loop you just, just keep combing yeah yeah that's that's basically the best way to do it um hopefully you know you you practice shooting your bow you're confident with your shots you're not taking shots you're not confident with and you know every time you go out it's a clean ethical shot but things happen especially in archery season the deer can take a step or you know you miss your mark by a couple inches and you're into the front shoulder that's another thing we should talk about. Front shoulder shot. It's like a bow. single lung. Yeah. This is, there's kind of a toss up on this one because there's two theories that 
kind of, it's controversial, I guess. Um, one theory is if you shoot your deer in the shoulder, you're going to know it because you're going to hear a loud crack and you're going to see most of your arrow shaft sticking out of that deer's shoulder. So you'll know when you shoot it in the shoulder. Now, some people will tell you, you get on the deer as soon as possible. And if you can access dogs to use dogs and what you want to do is just push that deer and bump that deer as many times as you can and just keep pushing them, keep pushing them. Don't let the wound coagulate and, you know, clot, clot up and just keep pushing that deer until eventually he'll either be out of gas or out of blood. And then the other option is kind of a complete 180 where you shoot them, you see that it's a shoulder shot, probably just one long. There's another theory that says if you let that deer bed down and lay there, then the blood will pull up in his lungs and he'll drown in his own blood, which I, I don't know. I've been on a couple shoulder shots um, where we're unsuccessful um but that's a tough one that's yeah i mean just I mean, you kind of have to feel it out i guess i don't, we don't have enough experience to talk about that which i think is okay to admit um we're not going to sit here and try and preach something that we don't really have much experience with so take both of those um scenarios and i mean if you know if you had them work either way you know let us know yeah, I guess I don't want to go too far into something. No, we I'm just saying, it. like, yeah. I've, I've never personally shot a deer in the shoulder, but I've been on track jobs with people that have, and those are the two scenarios that, you know, we've I've been told to try. Either give it time, let it lay for, if you shoot in the evening, go back the next morning, or if you shoot in the morning, go back at dark, or I've heard get on it right away. So it's just something to throw out there. I don't know. I'm not going to tell you what's right, what's wrong way to do it because personally, I don't know. Um, that's just one that you kind of got to, like Nick said, feel out and decide what you want to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's a, from what I understand, I mean, I've shot one deer that two deer, I'm sorry, two deer that we haven't found. And it's, it's a rough feeling. It, you lose sleep over it. It, it sucks. But the biggest thing is just keep going. Um, don't ever you know, give up until you're certain that deer is you know, still alive and well. Yeah, so let's, uh, let's speed forward and we've, you know, you recover your deer. Um, I don't know if it's necessary to really get into like the actual gutting of the deer. I mean, basically real quick like you just you know I don't, I don't i don't think it's really necessary to go through that well there's a couple tricks um but we i mean we don't i don't think we'd have to go through the entire process but anybody that's got a deer has probably punctured the stomach with their pocket knife and um yeah you know that that's a stench from hell it's awful it'll it'll gag you um the best way to avoid that in my opinion is with a gut hook or a blunt uh, tip knife, too. Yeah. So, yeah, you just poke your incision hole down at the bottom of the stomach, kind of just north of the groin. And 
Yeah, make your little hole and then slip your gut in there. All the way up to the there, sternum, yeah. All the way up to the sternum. I've heard of people like cutting the rib cage in half. I don't exactly know what the. It just point makes it easier access. You're not shoulder deep, getting the esophagus and everything. I mean, I, I can see why it would be done, but that's not how I was taught. So it's just yeah. not how I do it. Seems like a lot of extra work. A lot of math. There's a lot of math. <laughs> but anyway, so get it gut and get it back to the your barn. tags on it. Yeah, obviously. We're, yeah, we're not. We don't have to get that crazy. Um, you know, butt out tools are work pretty nice. Yeah, you just um, insert them, give them a couple twist twists, and pull, and pull them out. Them out. Yeah, yeah no one likes nice. cutting the butt out. That's no, yeah. those are a pretty handy tool. I know some guys say that, man, eh, get in there. Well, I've done it both ways. Butt out works really well. Yeah, um, would recommend. Yeah. So the main thing we wanted to actually we're cover, not even getting sponsored to say that. So that's how you know it's no. good. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. But the main thing we wanted to talk about tonight was actually uh, at this point now. So that was a prelude that Tom wanted to do, which I agree was good. Um, it was a good idea. So now you've decided that you do not want to take your deer to the local processor. You want to do it yourself, um, which is just how we do it. And that's why we wanted to talk about it because getting your deer is uh, expensive. It's expensive to process especially if you want to do like the little smokies and jerky and stuff yeah which adds most up people quick do. um and the other thing is i think for me i feel like every hunter should experience processing the game at least once and you gotta um, drink your cup of blood no that's not a thing it's not <laughs> you don't think? no no uh, i've never done it i've heard of people doing it it's I'd, not a thing it's it's a thing it's people a thing that it. people talk about but it's not a thing i'm sure people do it yeah have you ever done it? Let us know. It's kind of badass, actually. Yeah, well, I didn't do it. I'm not going to. But no, anyway, so you've decided, like, I just, I think processing a deer kind of brings the whole thing full circle. Um, so anyway, so that's, we all do our own processing, uh, Frank included, but he's not here to talk about it. So just take our word for it. Um, first, before we get into how to process deer at home, um, me and Tom are each going to kind of run through our top three uh, tools, if you decide you want to process at home, top three tools that we feel are important to have um, to do the whole process besides knives. Because if you're into hunting, you probably have the knives. So I'll let Tom go through your top three things that you would want and why. I have a couple more than three. Top three, though. Well, um, what we have... You know, no, our- not what we have. I want... The top three things you think for somebody new that wants to get into processing. What are the f- first three most important things yeah, you that's think? What I'm okay, at. I'm saying what we have in our deer processing station is top of the line. It's not necessary, but what we have and it makes it a hell of a lot easier is a pulley system, like a wench. Is this? We can talk about what we have, but I'm saying I want the first three things somebody should go out and buy is a crane or a hoist, one of them, that you're thinking... A way to hang your deer. Okay. But I'm just saying how we do it and what works really well for us Okay. is we have a wench screwed or bolted into the ceiling of our garage with a remote where you can just lower the hooks down, hook your deer up, and hoist it back up you don't have to do any lifting or anything you just drive your truck right up to it hook your deer up and lift it up because i've processed deer on a tailgate and it's processed them in the snow yeah it's not a good time 
So a way to hang your deer is probably, you know, the best, whether it be a meat pole where, you know, it's just a tea stake in the ground, concreted into the ground with, you know, some ropes and some S hooks. Yeah. And you can, uh, multi-purpose things like a gantry crane. If you got, like, if you're into, um, working on cars and have like a gantry crane for motors that would work just as well. But like Tom said, something to hang the deer from. Yeah. That, to get it off the ground. That makes it a huge difference. Um, second thing is a bone saw for, you know, cutting through the legs. Um, I don't eat the shins of the deer and it makes it a lot easier to. We can though. We, I learned uh, this year you can do Osabuco with them from uh, Hunt Chef. Yeah, but that's like the, the calf muscle, isn't it? Kind of. But yeah, I mean, it, I, I don't even, I don't know how you would get the hide off with the hoof still on there. Well, yeah, maybe, uh, maybe not down that far. Maybe just yeah, use, you I mean. could use the bone for like a bone broth, but that's about it. Yeah, I'm, I use a, a bone saw to, you know, cut the hoof and ankle off so okay, you have somewhere okay. to pull the hide off of, you know what I mean? Yeah. So a hanging system, a bone saw, and a grill because you're going to want to eat some while you're processing that's good so you're actually going to get top six because i have um three other things that i believe are very important so not necessarily more important than tom's but or i feel are very important um to make your entry into processing easy um first um a large uh well-lit cutting board so some style, like, I mean, they sell them at any um, outdoor store. Usually there's cutting boards, but you can get much larger ones um, from, like, lem.com, which is, like, a meat processing uh, website. Uh, Weston is another one. Uh, Hobart. There's, I mean, there's a bunch of different places you can get a cutting board. But a large cutting board in a well-lit area will cause or solve a lot of headaches. You'll be able to see what you're working with. Um, you're not making a mess. Everywhere they're You're easy not to clean. Your fingers because you not, can't see. Yeah, not cutting your fingers. So a well lit cutting station, cutting board, is uh, one of the things on my list. Number two is a vacuum packer. I think that is one of the best ways to preserve your meat after. Um, you're done processing. It's super easy. The bags are pretty cheap. Um, you can pack your burgers, your steaks, your sausages, anything can be packed with the vacuum packer. And then they just last so much longer in the freezer. Um, so that's two. And number three for me, I think is a grinder, um, whether it's a hand grinder or, uh, I mean, they, and there's any style grinder, like meat grinder, um, will make your processing easier because I don't know anybody that doesn't do some sort of ground, whether it's they turn it into jerky, they turn it. Um, Why are you turning ground and jerky? You, Jared Larson does squirt jerky. Really? Yeah. Never you even take, heard of it. Take ground and you spray it on sheets, cut it into slices that look like jerky, and do it in the dehydrator that way. It's um, much easier to bite into and it's not so like tough. Hmm. So jerky, snack sticks, obviously burger for meatloaf and hamburgers. Um, and I mean, like nobody cuts everything into steaks that I know of. So I think a grinder would be really nice, um, addition to your kit. So we'll just run back through the six things, um, a way to hang it, um, a bone saw, 
what was your a grill in a grill because you're gonna want to eat gotta eat um cut well lit cutting station grinder and a vacuum sealer those are all great things to have obviously you know guys in the mountains didn't have all that stuff but we're just going through the things that'll make your life that much easier so with using those tools let's start with tom you know we've you've got your I deer. think we should talk about some other accessories that make it a hell of a lot easier because there's some other ones that okay. aren't my top three five gallon okay. buckets okay you're gonna want a five gallon bucket because so what, honorable mentions yes honorable mentions not top three you can do without them but you can do without any of them i guess but yeah, you could start eating it right there in the field yeah but five gallon buckets because that's you know you don't want to throw your scraps in the like the legs and scraps scraps in the five gallon bucket um another little trick here is uh, a lot of times when you hoist your deer up and get it hanging if you ha- if you hang it you know hind end up which is with the nose down the right way to do it yeah i'll just say it if you're hanging it from the head then it's you're doing it wrong you got to hang it from the hind legs I don't, I, I don't get it. People do it, but it's wrong. The other thing is people don't cut the ankles off before they hang them. Yeah. You cut the That's We'll get into that yeah. after Tom gets into the honorable mentions, how we do that part. When you hoist the deer up by its hind end, some blood's going to come out of the nose and the mouth. So you put your five-gallon under five gallon bucket underneath that, catch all the blood so it's not getting all over your floor. Big sheet of cardboard or plywood works good, too, to put underneath the bucket because... It it does get messy, um, so you're gonna want that. And then another thing is what we use is a torch to burn all the hair off of the meat because nobody wants to bite into your sausage and get a hair in their mouth. No, that's one thing we're really good about is really clean meat. Yeah, we do have clean hairless meat, and yeah. it's something we pride ourselves in. Yeah, that's I mean anybody that is into doing this you should pride yourself in nice clean hairless meat yeah it's it's a big bragging right of mine honestly for sure but so and people come to us for that yeah our hairless meat our friends come over and they say hey you know we want your help because we know you do such a good job yeah so we'll get into how we utilize that torch here in a minute but i'm just trying to gather my thoughts here see if there's anything else that if you're into jerky, it. smokers or dehydrators are nice. Slicers. Slight meat slicers. But like I said, these are just honorable, honorable mentions. mentions. They're not necessary. They didn't get the Grammy, but they, they were at, they were at the event. Right. Um, um, other than that, I think you're uh, ready to start cutting into it. Well, don't you want to get it hung first, Tom? Oh yes. So you back your truck. Well, in. you're gonna be. Oh yeah. Well yeah. Back your truck in. I'm going to run you through how we do it because I don't know how other people do it, so I can't speak yeah, for them. Yeah, we'll just talk, talk about how we do it, and they can apply it to the tools they have. Um, and we do probably quite a handful of deer a year between all of us and friends at, and family, big farm and friends and family. I mean, we're easily, deer. I would say, a dozen to a dozen and a half a year. Yeah, we're by no means, you know, butchers, we, but... We do pretty good. We're... Yeah taught by journeyman butchers so oh yeah well i'm saying we're not like our, we're not a butcher company yeah like, don't come to us with you. your deer if we don't know you if you become friends with us we do help people out but you know we do ask that you bring the beer and you stick around and bullshit with us because 
we don't want it to turn into where someone drops the deer off we leave and they pick it up but i don't care if a buddy shoots a deer he comes over with a case of beer and sticks around while we cut it up in bullshits and drinks with us because it's it's enjoyable for me i guess a couple bush lattes while you're cutting deer yeah you throw a tenderloin on the grill maybe the heart if you're into that which you should should be. be yeah if you're not start because the heart's delicious yeah we'll we'll get into maybe that's it we could do uh another episode coming up here soon on our favorite um ways to cook different parts of the deer yeah. it'd be a fun little episode yeah but let's get back we into could even it. do a cooking show once i get my deer on opening day like a live cooking show on i don't know if it'd be live but we'd we could do live we'd film it live you could film it straight to youtube live yeah we'll think right about from it. the cabin we're throwing it out there. No people, guarantees. If the people want it, we'll do it. Yeah. He'll do it with no shirt on. Yeah. Okay. If this video gets 50 <laughs> likes, 50 shares, 50 comments. That's never happened before. <laughs> well, there's uh, your standards, people. So let's get back into it here. You back your truck in. You hang. Like I said, Tom, we're going to go through what we have at our station. Back your truck in. We're going to hook you up to the... Uh, back up. Oh, Stop. my goodness. Let me... You just... You back your truck up. First thing you do is you get out your bone saw. Nope. You know how technical you want to get? You want to put your truck in park before you get out? No. Just leave it in gear. <laughs> All right. I'm just going to let you run through. Yeah. You're going to, you're not a dipshit, so you're going to put your truck in park. I'm going to put your seatbelt. <laughs> yeah. Unbuckle it. Turn your headlights off. Turn the key. All that good stuff. Open the door. Step out. Walk around. Slap the deer on the ass because you're pumped. You just shot a big buck. And two fist bumps in the air is definitely appropriate as well. Yeah. Crack your bush latte. Take a big old gulp. Yeah. That is actually one thing. You got to have one beer in before you put it up on the crane. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. A celebratory beer to get your photos. A quick picture. Yeah. You know, no pictures are a big thing um, that I wish we used to do like better pictures back in the day. Cause I, I have so many pictures of like, like different bucks I've killed over the years where it's literally like me holding the rack and I just like took a picture with my phone or like it's halfway skinned down and you're like, Oh shit, I forgot to take a picture. Yeah. So you so grab well, the head and half the meat's showing and Yeah, and I think I just want to throw this out there that like when you kill a buck or a doe or something, take the time to pose with it and get a good quality picture that you're gonna be able to look back and remember that hunt with. Well, another thing I wanna mention, this is just something we all do. I think it's pretty cool. Uh, my dad learned this from an uh, Indian out west, turkey hunting. Bam was his name. But every time he would harvest or shoot, kill, whatever you want to call it, anything, he would take a pinch of tobacco and sprinkle it over the carcass of the deer. And that's a, it's a Native American tradition where it's you know thanking the animal for that sacrifice and all that. So I always keep a bag of dried tobacco in my hunting bag. And anytime I, you know, shoot a deer or a turkey or whatever I'm hunting, I like to sprinkle tobacco on it and, you know, pay my respects, thank the animal for, you know, sacrificing its life so I can eat and my family can eat. That's a good point, too. I mean, I'm not saying you have to do that, and if you don't do it, you're it's wrong. It's just a neat I mean, thing it's just, we do. Yeah, it's just another way to Honor thank the, the animal, animal and pay your respects. Because you did take a life, but, you know, you get so much reward out of it. But that's just... Something I think is pretty cool and I wanted to share with you guys. 
Thanks, Tom. Yeah. So back to it. I'll let you just run through. Um, Lisa, don't we don't have to go into crazy detail. You started um, it. Well, yeah. People, people can fill in the blanks. Um, but you know, hit the you know the main points on you know going through the processing of the deer. So you back your truck up. Okay. Grab your bone saw and you know give the hind legs a little bend. You know, bend them back and forth. Find out where that knuckle where that knee is and just above the knee you know closer to its hoof is where i like to you know cut it off so cut off the ankle you know just above the knee well actually it would be just below the knee (laughs) baloney i was gonna say it but yeah below the knee you know below the knee above the ankle hack it off do the same with the front legs you know, right below that, I don't know if it's a knee on the front, elbow, joint, joint. cut it off, put the, the hooves and the shin bones in your, in your bucket. And next thing I do is you go right to the pelvis and you basically cut, you know, from the inside of the groin all the way up to the top where you cut your ankle off on the inside yeah on the inside yeah the groin yeah i'm just making sure that people understand that you stay on the inside of the leg all the way up to where you cut it off yeah so all the way up to the ankle on both sides and then what i like to do is you peel you you know pull the skin up and you guys can't see my hand motions but i'm trying to demonstrate here what to do but you you know pull the skin up and cut it back so you cut very skin. gingerly you use your knife um and you run your knife right along the meat to um where like the meat is connected to the hide and you just very carefully run your knife along that seam as you're pulling away uh the hide and with a sharp knife it'll go very smooth um just careful not to poke through the hide or into the meat yeah basically so yeah you just peel the hide all the way around off the leg that way it gives you something to grip onto and pull down on. You do that to both sides and you pull it all the way down to below where their Achilles tendon is. And where that Achilles tendon connects back to the bone, that's where we put our meat hooks. So you got your legs skinned and peeled all the way back. And we put the hooks, you know, right in the Achilles tendon. It's a perfect spot. It's not going to break loose on you. That's why... You want to make sure you cut below the knee because if you cut above the knee, then you're going to cut through that Achilles tendon and then, then you're probably going to have to... And that's a bunch of baloney. Yeah. You're probably going to have to be one of those guys that hang it from the head because... You don't want to be that guy. No, you don't. So cut it all the way around, peel it down to expose the Achilles tendon and ankle and all that. Hook your hooks into that Achilles tendon and hoist it up. Get your five-gallon bucket under the nose because it's going to start dripping. And now your deer's hoisted up. and Hoist. Hoisted. Hoisted. And you got, you know, your legs peeled back. And if you can, you know, get a fresh deer, it's going to be a thousand times easier than... Yeah. Let's, we'll, yeah, we'll just go through, like, a good scenario of it. Yeah, it's fresh deer. You grab onto the skin that's hanging down, and you can pretty much just pull it down be able to pull it to where the hide meets the tail and you get 
you're not so good knife, your doll knife. It's for, you know, it's a piece of shit. You don't really. Well, this is another tool that. Uh, snips, yeah. Yeah, snips are another good tool. Not It's a good honorable mention. Um, have a pair of snips, snip through that little tendony, cartilage, bone ish thing through the tail. Snip so through you that. can get right into the knuckle of the tail where, you know, it moves up and down. You can get yeah. your knife in there. Or, or you can, you can be like my good buddy stringer. Yep, and skin the tail right out. So it kind of looks like a rat tail off your meat hanging there. But I wouldn't do that. I'd just, you know, hack the tail off. And then basically, you know, skinning the deer, it's pretty straightforward. You're just pulling down. If you have another guy there, that's awesome. That's a huge help. If you can have someone pulling the hide, you'll see, you know, where the hide meets the meat. There's like that. It's all I, the best way to describe. It, it's like a thin film almost that you just want to keep cutting along that, making sure, you know, you're not nicking the hide, not nicking the meat. You're just kind of right in the middle and you just keep slicing as you got your buddy pulling down or, you know, you pull down as far as you can and then you got to go back up and slice either way. Just keep pulling down and slicing until you know you get you're gonna get basically to the shoulders and if you're mounting the deer then take this, it as far as you can yeah take it as far as you can this is gonna get it's tricky on the shoulders too or if you're mounting the deer because you kind of got to cape it if you're not mounting the deer we'll just go that route because basically if you're mounting the deer you got to tube the whole thing and just keep you know slowly cutting down the shoulders and then to the legs and it's it's a slow process, and you just got to be very careful, making sure you're not nicking the hide. But if you're not mounting the deer, you get down to the front shoulders. And what I like to do is cut, you know, right up from like the base of the neck all the way up the rib cage to you know where the hide's pulled down, and then just kind of butterfly the front chest open. Just keep you know pull one side and slice the hide back and pull it slice the hide back till you you know peel the front legs off and then you know you're down to the neck and you know pull that down as far as you can because you want to get your good neck roast and then bone saw comes into play again or you you know cut through the spine take the head off and you know you got your hide and your head you know off to the side and if it's a buck that you want to mount make sure you're getting it either in the freezer or to the taxidermist as fast as possible if uh, you don't want it sitting there and rotten and then you got to get a new hide and it's just pain so if you have access to a freezer then get it in the freezer as soon as possible or better yet get it to the taxidermist as soon as possible so now your hides off and it's time to start cutting up the goods and Here's how I like to start. I start. So, I think what we ought to do here, um, let's go through like getting like the cuts, like you said, and then I think that'll probably be a good stopping point for this episode, and then we can do another episode on what to do with each of the cuts. What do you think? Yeah. All right. Well, let me just say this: if given the opportunity to let your deer hang. For a night. If it's cold enough. If it's cold, if it's, you know, below or 45 degrees freezer. or if you have a walk-in freezer, let it hang. What I like to do 
is um, take the front leg, kind of stretch it open and put a couple cuts in there to open it up, let it air out a little bit. Cause usually take a bottle of wine, let it breathe. No. Yeah. I've never even heard that. To let a bottle of wine breathe? Yeah, they were corked. Yeah. When you're supposed to let them breathe before you drink them. Oh, aerate it. Don't let it touch the roof of your mouth. Um, yeah, but just, you know, open, kind of right at the armpits. Slice the armpits back to pull, pull the front quarters just a little bit. Give them a little space to breathe. And if you can let it hang overnight, you know, if it's cold enough or like Nick said, you got a walk-in freezer, that's, that's huge because it, just, it cuts, it firms up a little bit. I think it tastes better. It takes some of that gamey taste out of it. It firms the meat up, cuts way better. It's just all around. Firm meat's always better. Yeah, firm, hairless meat. Yeah. So break down the quarters and back straps, tenderloins, and then don't get, we're not going to go into any details on what to do with each of them. Um, and then, like I said, we'll do another episode on how to break down front quarters, hind quarters, what to do with each of them, back straps. Okay, well, I'm going to just do a little bit of not what you said because the first thing you're going to do once you get your deer hung, well, the tenderloins, that's a given. Yeah, you open the armpits and you cut out the tenderloins. And basically, you don't really even need a knife. They pretty for, much pull out. Yeah, basically. Actually, I can prove, I have proof that they do pull out. Yeah, but what I do anyway is, you know, at the top of the tenderloin, well, I don't know. While the, it's hanging upside down, it's the top. The top, yeah. Just basically just make a slit right on top, and then you can take your pointer finger and just run it down behind it, and it, it basically just falls right out. And you're going to want to marinate that with some Jenny beer, uh, garlic, salt, pepper, whatever seasonings you like, but definitely some Jenny beer. And heat up your grill, throw it on there, Real quick, I like to eat mine rare. You know, you warm up the sides and uh, slice it, you know, into quarter-inch thick pieces. And uh, you got yourself a little congratulatory snack for your harvest. And we do the heart, too. Basically, the heart, you know, you take your heart out and cut the top off where it's all, like, fatty and veiny and weird-looking. And then you just slice the heart into, you know, like, another quarter inch or half inch thick slabs like donuts pretty much yeah and you just slice it right down to the tip and put your jenny beer your seasonings on there put it on the grill yeah but yeah you cook it however you want really i don't give a shit um that's just how we do it uh it's not it's important that you're eating it but that's not what this episode's about this episode is about you know getting the cuts yeah so you got your deer hung, let it hang if you can. Open the armpits up if you're letting it hang. And uh, so back to the cuts. First thing I do is the back straps. Best way to cut the back strap out is you'll see where the spine meets the hips. It makes like a kind of like a T. Cut straight across that seam all the way, basically all the way around the hips. Take your knife and go straight down the spine all the way on both sides yeah on both sides all the way down basically to the neck yeah um and then what you're going to do is you'll have that you know that 90 degrees where you cut um from where the spine meets the hips i guess 
And basically what you do is you just kind of grab that and peel it back a little bit and just but same as taking the hide off. You just run your knife along the backside. Yeah. Up, instead uh, of up cutting, against the ribs. And, yeah. Now instead of cutting, you know, in between the meat and the hide, now you're cutting in between the spine meat and the bone. Yeah. So yeah, you just run your knife right along the edge of the bone and just keep, you know, peeling it back, peeling it back, cutting, and you'll get these nice long steaks. Or well, I, I'm going to turn them into steaks, but we'll get into back that straps. in another episode. Yeah. So you get your back straps out. Next thing I like to do is the front quarters. Front quarters are super easy. You already aired them out with, you know, slicing up the armpit a little bit, and um, you just basically, there's not really like a knuckle or anything that you have to cut out. You just keep slicing and keep cutting back, cutting back, cutting back, and it's just going to come off. So you just throw that on the table. It's easy peasy. And then what I like to do is, um, take my bone saw again and cut where the spine and, uh, hips meet. And basically you're just cutting off the rib cage and spine and all that other stuff. So now all you got left hanging is the two hind quarters. And from there, what I like to do is um, take one take one hind quarter off the meat hook. So now you got, you know, one hung up, one hanging. And this this takes some skill because basically you got a hind quarter, pelvis, hind quarter. And what you do is you kind of, it's easy at first. You just cut, you know, on the side of the pelvis on both sides. Did you, I'm sorry, we had a guest over at the house. We had to walk, step away. Did you talk about the little ball and socket joint? Is that what you're getting to? Yeah. We're, okay. we're just getting into the hind quarter. Just getting into the meat of it? Yeah. <laughs> we're just getting into the meat of it. But anyway... So, yeah, we already mentioned it. Hind, front quarters are off. You yeah. cut the, yep. the midsection off, and now you just got your quarters, your hind quarters hanging. You take one off the hook, so only one's hanging and the other one's kind of leaning. And you just cut, you know, on the side of the pelvis. You'll cut down, and you'll follow the pelvis. It's kind of got a little curve to it. You just cut along that curve. And as long as you're feeling the bone on the edge of your knife, you know you're doing it right, and you're just going to cut down until you'll reach the knuckle. And it's like a ball and socket, and you kind of got to get in there. and It'll actually twist out um, yeah. a lot of times, too. You can literally just, like, twist the hind quarter, um, and it'll pop. That's typically how I do it because you'll ruin a lot of knives digging in that joint because it's a really hard bone. Yeah, but you just got you to figure out what works for you to get that knuckle out of there. And then, you know, that one's going to be free, and you just do the same thing. On the other side, put your, you know, your pelvis in the bucket with your rib cage and spine and hooves, and your deer is quartered, back straps are out, tenderloins are on the grill, and you're doing you're good. You're enjoying a bush light, yeah. or maybe a Jenny if you have no taste. Um, so while you're enjoying that tenderloin, um, thinking about what you want to do, you're going to tune in to uh, the next segment of this episode. And we'll tell you exactly how to do whatever you want with the rest of the meat. Yeah, if you have any questions between now and the next episode, feel free to 
shoot us a message, leave a comment or whatever, and we'll try and get it answered for you. Yeah, if you've got any ideas like of different ways to process something or if we rushed through a part of quartering them that you want to know more about, let us know. I think what we'll do that'll help is when someone gets a deer this year, we'll make a video. That would be really good. Yeah, we'll make a video of the whole thing. Yeah. Because we're going to be filming our hunts. So you'll see, you know, from waking up in the morning, drinking our Joe, driving out there, getting in, shooting the deer, the track, the drag, and the processing. That's good. See it all. So what do you have to do in order to, you know, go out there and get a buck on the ground, Tom? Get outside.